The Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association presents Top of the Stretch, a podcast that looks at harness racing in the Buckeye State. Hello again, everyone. I'm Frank Fries, the Outreach and Public Relations Coordinator for the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association. And today on Top of the Stretch, we'll talk with a couple of trainers about how they are handling their horses during the COVID-19 crisis and also about how they are assisting other horsemen during this time. Joined now on Top of the Stretch by Marty Wolm, a trainer residing in Vianna, Ohio, which is in Northeast Ohio. And Marty, thanks for joining me on Top of the Stretch today. Very nice to be here. Well, first off, I want to ask you, how are you doing during this time of crisis? We're doing quite well here. I, um, you know, uh, luckily I can get out and come to the farm and continue with the horses and all my employees have been able to come and, and do the same. So it's worked out, you know, going to the stores and stuff is really tough, but let's hope everything gets cleared up here in the next few weeks. Now you've been, you've been doing this now, you told me for 50 years. Um, Have you seen anything like this before in the past that's, you know, a a tough time that you've gone through as a trainer like this? No, no, I've never seen anything quite like this. This is uh, totally uh, new to me. I think to everyone, I, I, my parents and grandparents lived through the great depression and I heard a lot of stories about that didn't live through it. But um, this is a really tough time. It's man-made, actually, you know, so that's the bad part. Now, you've got, told me, 13 horses that you have in training. How Mm -hmm. has this affected your training of the horses and your care of the horses? Well, so far, really not too much other than uh, we had qualified. I was in Florida all winter and had a uh, a young fellow by the name of Matt Burkholder train my stable all winter long. So I didn't get back until two weeks ago. But uh, we know we had a couple ready to go, qualified in to go when they canceled the racing. And uh, we've just continued on. My two-year-olds are, you know, on schedule to get started in mid-June. Uh, and the horses that were ready to go, uh, we're just kind of keeping everything uh, at the same uh, training schedule twice a week. And obviously not going fast racing miles. But uh, and, and all the care and everything is the same. You still have to take care of them the same as always. And so, But we've continued to train on a regular training schedule. And so that when things do get back to racing, we'll be ready to go. Now, the ones that you uh, have not backed down, any fear that, you know, they might not be ready to go? Or are you hoping we get back to this sooner and they're set to go? And for the two-year-olds, they're pretty much just on the normal course, aren't they? Yes, they are. I, my, I have, uh, what the, I think I have about nine three-year-olds and four two-year-olds. So that's about all I have. And the three-year-olds are ready to go, the majority of them. And uh, the extra training, I don't think it will really hurt them a whole lot because we're all in the same boat. And uh, um, I just hope that maybe it'll extend our season a little longer. Maybe that, you know, we'll have them more ready when we start. So we, we might not cause any injuries to them that we, uh, you know, be, being they're prepared, ready to go when time comes. So uh, How about I'll look the at the bright side of that. And, how about the two-year-olds and being on the same, same uh, time frame? Any of them standing out to you right now? Well, I, well, I only have four, but yeah, I have a couple of pretty nice. Um, I, I'm a, a fan of full count. I trained full count, so I have some babies by him. And uh, two of those are looking really nice. And then I have a uh, uh, one pacing filly that uh, so far looks great. But they all look good till they get to, to get to racing. But yeah, my hopes are high on those two out of the four. So that we'll, we'll hope they do well. Well, good. Well, one of the things um, you know we talked about that you've done is you're trying to help other horsemen that might be struggling during this time. Tell me a little bit about what you've done to help some other guys out. 
well, actually, I all I did was supply some financial support that uh, you know, Amy Howard, the OHA rep there in Northfield Park, she gets around and knows the people that are having a hard way to go. And so I gave some money to, through my, uh, uh, the people I buy my feed from, gave them some money to put into an account. And then whenever some of those horsemen need feed um, or, or whatever they can get from a feed mill, but I assume mainly it's just grain. Um, Amy can make arrangements for them to be able to get it and, and give them a hand because it's a, uh, uh, no one likes to be in that position, and I don't know that there's any of us that haven't at one time in our life been in that position. So if you can if you can give a hand, that's the greatest thing in the world. It makes you feel better. Don't care. Anybody doesn't need to know, but it just makes me feel better that I can maybe help somebody because I've been there, and I think everybody has. You, you mentioned you've been there. Talk a little bit about, about why the importance of giving back. You've been there. You were through the tough times. Now you're trying to help somebody else. Sure. I, I think if it, this is all I've ever done. Uh started when I was right out of college and uh, was lucky enough to, to uh, you know, do do well at it. And uh, I'm past that. Now I'm retired. And uh, so I'm, I, if I've got a little bit extra that I can help people or not, even if it's not extra, but uh, to give people a hand, young people, especially young, you know, we, I'm past my prime. Let, let these young fellows or, or women get a chance to, uh, uh, and it's tougher now, I think, to start in the business than it was when I was young. So if they need a little bit of help to get them over a hump and, and not get out and you know, stay in, uh, I'm more than happy to do that. And I hope there are a lot of other people, and I'm sure there are. Horse people are wonderful people. They help each other uh, whenever they can. What type of advice would you have for a younger trainer who might be struggling? Well, <laughs> you know, I, I think you have – if that's what's in, in in your heart and you have a passion for it, uh, to follow that passion. And uh, most generally, uh, when I started, my dad was a builder. I can't drive a nail straight. And uh, he told me to get a college education because I couldn't make a living doing horses. But I loved it. And, and luckily, you know, it worked out for me. So I think that the young people have to, you know, go through those tough times and and uh, just keep, keep pushing on and, uh, having faith in them in themselves uh, be able to do what they're doing and uh, if they can do that i think in the long run it'll work out just uh, but luck has to go your way too it's a big part of it if you had the chance to look into the into the, the crystal ball of the future how how long do you think you know you can go the way you are with training the horses before you have to pull them back not knowing where we start racing again. Oh, golly. You know, that's the hardest. That's a hard question because if none of us know. I think if, if we don't get to racing in June, then I think I, you know, it's time to stop and, and turn them out a little bit and let them relax and, and refresh. My son trains around 20 head, and he did that with a couple of his already. He gave him a couple of weeks off there early. Well, this month, the first two weeks of April, he'll give them off and then get them back ready. But uh, for me, I, I'll, I really am optimistic. I'm very optimistic that things will go forward for us hopefully in at the early in May, and then I'm on schedule. And after that, I'll have to reevaluate, and I hope I don't have to. Well, Marty, I want to thank you for joining us on Top of the Stretch today. Good luck, uh, and hopefully we get back racing soon. You betcha. I sure hope so, too. Thank you very much. Joined now on Top of the Stretch by Dan Corfman, a trainer and a teacher. And, Dan, uh, welcome to uh, Top of the Stretch today. Glad to have you. All right. Thank you very much. 
Well, first, let's talk a little bit about the horses that you've got in training. Uh, right now, you got a, two, a couple of two-year-old fillies and a four-year-old mare. Uh, the four-year-old, I was driving up till uh, we stopped racing. I had Ryan drive her one time. Uh, she was doing quite well. I enjoyed driving her. She was a four-year-old artificial mare. I bought her as a yearling. The uh, two-year-olds, one of them is an artificial uh, I bought last year at the auction, and the other one is a Bring on the Beach. Both of them are on the small side, but they are cute. And the Bring on the Beach, she's uh, very fast. Uh, she knows what to do. I look forward to racing her. Uh, I hope we get to race this year. Well, how has um, the, the stay-at-home, the COVID-19 virus affected how you've trained, you know, the two-year-olds and the four-year-old as well? Uh, the weather's been good all winter, so we haven't fallen behind and hoped that the weekend would be good. Uh, we were able to train on the weekends and as well as during the week whenever we wanted to, uh, with obvious problems with rain, but we worked around that. The, uh, bring on the beach is actually ahead of schedule for what I'm used to with my two-year-olds. The artificial, she's still trying to figure out what she's supposed to do, but we're coming to an understanding and she's starting to get it together. I have no doubt she'll be fine. Most artificial fillies are. Now with the four-year-old mare you've got, uh, you were getting, uh, was she on the track at when we stopped racing? Yes. Uh, she was in the race on Saturday night and that's when I got a text on Friday that said we're not racing and I hope for the next week, and that didn't happen. So I kept training her for a couple of weeks, hoping that it would uh, come back real quick, and it hasn't. So she's out in the field right now, enjoying some grass. She really deserved that a long time ago, but she was just racing so well, and I enjoyed it. She enjoyed it, so we kept racing. Well, hopefully we'll get back to racing soon, and she can uh, get back on the track. Now, I heard through the grapevine that you were one of the horsemen out there helping other horsemen um, with some necessary donations of hay. Uh, how important is it for horsemen to help horsemen during this time? A uh, few other groups will help us. We've got to help each other, and this is one way we can do it. And hopefully if I need help, others could still step up. Fortunately, I've had uh, very little need for help, but uh, whenever I've asked for a little aid here or there, borrow a bike or something, everyone jumps right up and offers equipment or anything that's needed, and if I can offer a little hay or a little anything else to help someone keep going in this business, then, uh, then that's what we need to do. What is it that makes this industry so special that people will will help out, you know, competitors, uh, people that they're racing against, just to make sure that they can get by? A lot of it is uh, everybody's fathers or grandfathers or uncles, aunts and such that uh, raced against each other, and they're just continuing the family tradition. So uh, they're not looking at 
had it so much as competitors, but as uh, family racing against each other. We've known each other for a long, long time, and would really be saddened if we lose some of the competitors just because of of uh, not able to race. Now, your other love besides horses is teaching. You've been doing it for 31 years. You're uh, the instrumental music director for grades 5 through 12 in the Gibsonburg schools. What kind of challenges are you going through right now trying to teach remotely? Uh, A lot of the other teachers that can run off copies and send out homework. Uh, I'm not as computer literate as some of the other folks in the world and can't really run a uh, rehearsal via Zoom or Google Meet. And I don't think there's a way to really run a rehearsal. You can run a performance. You can record something like that. I could have individual lessons, but uh, it's face-to-face when it comes to an instrumental ensemble, a large band. You need everybody together for that. And there's just no substitute for everyone being together and listening and working together. How are the kids in your school district adapting? Uh, the other classes, they're doing all right. Uh, most students are all doing their homework, passing it in. We had uh, homework turned in and passed out again today and yesterday, and uh endless stream of parents and students driving in, collecting uh, homework, passing homework back in. Uh, a lot of people, they're taking this seriously. They're really working to uh, keep education going. They're serious about this. Do you find yourself trying to work harder to figure out ways to engage the, the students if you can't be face-to-face with them? Uh, yeah, and at times I'm at a loss. About all I can do is ask them to fill out practice logs and Hope that they're honest because I tell them someday we're going to get back together. And those that have been practicing, you'll fit right in. You'll be able to go right with us. Others, you're going to be really tired very fast. You're going to be struggling uh, remembering how to play. It will show up just as quickly. So the onerous is on them to practice and be ready for when we actually do get together. I'm sure they're all looking forward to it as well. Do you think we're going to be back in school, or do you think uh, the year is done for most of the districts in Ohio? Uh, I hate to be a gloomy Gus, but uh, I don't think we'll get back before the end of the school year. But I don't want my word to be taken as gospel. Well, what advice would you have for the parents out there and the school kids to keep them focused? Uh, Just set aside the time. Make sure that you keep working at it. Don't let it slide for more than a day or so. Surely you can have a day off, but uh, get back into it. Keep it structured just like uh, every five days you're at school. Be teaching then. But look for other ways. Uh, Go out and 
into nature and find things in nature to study, insects, anything else in nature. Uh, for my kids, I'd say grab an instrument, step outside, hope the neighbors don't complain, and I've rarely heard it complain except for the person with the crash cymbals. Uh, just practice and play anything that comes to mind. Enjoy it. Hopefully you'll be back in the classroom soon, and hopefully your uh, Philly, your two-year-olds and your four-year-old are going to be back on the track soon. Dan, I want to thank you for joining us today on Top of the Stretch. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Top of the Stretch. Top of the Stretch podcasts are a presentation of the Ohio Harness Horsemen's Association.